Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Another amazing conversation here at Love Life Washington Conference at Cedar Park Church in Bothell, Washington, just north of Seattle. You know the story. We even listened to these episodes with all these amazing guest speakers. The Love Life California Conference inspired people to bring it to Washington, so here we are. So we are here sitting here with Zeke Bambolo, the executive director of Antioch Adoptions, who's actually co-sponsoring the Love Life Washington Conference with Abundant Life Ministries. And so this awesome brother came down to the Love Life California Conference and has been real on the, really on the front lines for the fight for the family and children and the orphan and the widow and the unborn child in Washington. But you know a key feature of tyranny is that when the enemy overplays his hand, the good people start to wake up. And unfortunately, it kind of takes that overplaying of the hand for all of those millions who just want to survive and stay comfortable to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and start contending for what God cares about in the public square. And so because of the last two and a half years of tyranny, I believe we're seeing more and more Christians who care less about their lane and their organization's branding uh, and more about what we can do together for the cause of Christ, life, liberty, and the family in the public square. And so Zeke has an incredible heart for children and the family um, and is creating the type of fellowship and community that always should have been happening in the public square of Christians supporting what God loves and cares about and protecting the things closest to the Father's heart. Children, for goodness sake. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Zeke, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Good to finally sit with you, man. I know. So uh, people will get a crack out of this, Zeke. Well, when we first met in person, uh, <laughs> January this year, I guess, uh-huh. you and Beth, who's put on this conference as well, came to Calvary Chapel Chino Hills for our Love Life California conference. And I guess the, the Uber driver had forced you guys to wear the Fauci face diapers. And so when you got out, I like kind of te- I kind of like teasingly j- joked like, take those things off. Why are you wearing that? And then you guys were like, no, we had to wear it. We're not Fauci. And we just laughed about that. But that was when we became friends. And then uh, we've done some great stuff just with some of what you're doing with pastors yes. gatherings in Washington. And we just we just did a wonderful episode with Pastor Alec Rollins. Mm. I mean, this, this is what we're talking about. Where are the pastors? Where are... The Christians, but specifically the leaders who are supposed to be shepherds. Mm. And Zeke, does a, sep- does a shepherd sometimes have to take a staff and start whacking <laughs> wolves over the top of the head? Well, you know, it's the wolves and the wolves in sheep clothing as well, right? Yeah, we got to make sure. Uh, or the wolves in shepherd's clothing. Oh, boy, you're getting deep in that one. So, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, that's, that, that's necessary. Um, and I think sometimes, again, this idea of apologizing for our faith and... Mm trying to hide behind, well, we have to be winsome. Nobody says that talking truth isn't winsome. Actually, as much as it is convicting, <laughs> it's the most <laughs> winsome aspect of it. And so um, we are with an organization, you know, that uh, you, you talked about me and some of the things that, is go- that are going on here with Antioch Adoptions, but to be honest, I, I, I want to give you a little bit of insight to our founder because he was my mentor, Dr. Ken Hutchison. And everybody hears that name, who, who's who, they would realize that that was a guy in the middle of Washington State. He passed away some nine years ago from a 13-year battle with cancer. With cancer excuse wow. me. And that was a guy that um, said, I fear no man. 
The only one I fear is my God, and I'm so afraid of my God that I'm, I would not disobey, disobey him to please man. Whoa, and yeah. so when he spoke that way, people saw it as arrogance. <laughs> sure. They didn't get it. Yeah. And he would say things like, Antioch is the way to do church, thinking of Antioch Bible Church, which is where he founded as well. He, what he founded as well. Wow. And he was talking about Antioch in the Bible. Right. But because he, he just things like that. But that was a guy that debated Ron Sims here in Seattle hmm. about, you know, the, the domestic marriage conversation. We just want domestic marriage. We don't want anything to do with, you know, same-sex marriage, whatever. We just want domestic stuff, uh, rights. Well, he said it years ago, like, no, that's not what they want. They want more. And so... So he was an Ezekiel watchman. Man, you know what? He... He saw where it down was going. Down at Safe Cold where the Mariners play right now. He brought Dr. Dawson, uh, Tony Evans, and a few other guys, and did what we call May Day for Marriage. Hmm. It wasn't against same-sex marriage. It was saying, hey, we want to show you what traditional marriage of the Bible looks like. Yeah. That was what we're about. But the protesters came out, and they made a big deal out of it, right? He did another event out in Washington, D.C., and brought over 120,000, 150,000 people to, to uh, the, link, the monument in Washington, D.C. Wow. May Day for Marriage, right? And so that was the real, that's the real motivation. That's a brother who... Opened my eyes. Wow. Opened my the eyes of a lot of us and mm. said, you know, man, are you gonna stand or are you, you know? I mean, he we would run this thing called Gideon's Posse. It was a men's ministry event. Oh, awesome. And he said, I'm looking for for men who would stand. Yeah. So Gideon's uh, army. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I miss him, but at the end of the day, what you see with Antioch adoption, he was the founder. So and you picked the, up his mantle. I was in corporate America for 17, 18 years, hmm. doing very well. Didn't have any reason to leave corporate America. Yeah, tell us, who is Zeke Bambola? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Born and raised in West Africa, a okay. young man who uh, grew up with parents who were missionaries, if you can think about it, African missionaries from Cameroon and Central Africa. They wow. landed in Liberia, West Africa in okay. the 60s. Uh, my, my sister at the time was barely uh, six months old. Uh, I wasn't born yet, and they found this... Uh, Collaboration, talking about collaboration here, uh, something that God has been brewing in my life forever, where there were Southern Baptist missionaries from, from America, like Africans, Liberians, Cameroonians, mm. uh, Ghanaians, you know, all working on this Baptist boarding institution. Talk about diversity, where wow. uh, there wasn't the white man and the black man, there was, okay, look. We're all working together here yeah. to educate young people biblically to go out and do incredible work in the world, not yeah. in Liberia, in the world. So you'll find a lot of us, I'm, I'll say I'm a product of that. What is an African boy doing in Seattle, <laughs> running a, an adoption agency except God's got some jokes, right? <laughs> so uh, that's, my, that's my story. I born through that, went through some civil war. My parents... Uh, Eventually worked in Liberia for over almost 30 years. Wow. Incredible teachers. Uh, one that went to, my dad was as high as the uh, vice principal of a school that went from kindergarten through junior college. And then my mom was a kindergarten teacher, my kindergarten teacher, for, but she taught for over 25 years. And the Civil War, Civil War ran us out of Liberia. Whoa. But at the age of uh, 17, I just graduated high school when the war started. Two years later, I could not get out of the country because of the war. And my, I'd already had a basketball scholarship here in the U.S. that I could not uh, exercise at that point in time. And I lost the scholarship wow. and ended up in North Idaho College in Coeur d'Alene. Yes. And I'm coming from a war. And if you know North Idaho and Coeur d'Alene, there's some things that are happening out there as well. And uh, 
the KKK thing, and it was kind of you know, and I would get some of those harsh treatment as well from time to time. But it was like what I year just, was this? This was like the 1991 or so in that time. 91. 91. The year I was born. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> anyway, and and uh, and yeah, and you know, we these things will happen. But in the day, the perspectives matter, mm-hmm. even in this conversation that we're talking about, because I just came from a civil war with AK-47 in my face every single day, forcing me to be a conscript to a rebel, a rebel force. And you think you screaming, at you know, things at me is gonna rile me up to want to fight you? <laughs> you have to do a little, kind of touch me now. We can talk some problems, you know. So. Yeah. That's my, my story, and I came here at the end of the day, ended up wow. with a, having a, a great athletic career, and obviously my parents were very adamant about my, my academics as well, so yes, I did yes. that well, All-American on both sides of the coin, and yeah. ended up, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, besides the, the war and some things that did really injured my, I mean physically, my back, especially. Yeah. So by my senior year in college, I was, I was a wreck. And I, the idea of going to play pro ball, everything was not really to do. But again, thank God to mom and dad who said, get your books on, brother. Wow. Take care of your books first. And so I came out with a degree in business information technology. So they didn't, they didn't blame it on systemic racism? Oh, no. They didn't tell you that you, you had no, no you were just a victim of your... No, sir. My dad, so actually, I wrote a book called The Firstborn Son, A Curse, A Gift, or A Calling. And it's my mom and dad... Wait, say that again? The Firstborn Son, A Curse, A Gift, or A Calling. Hmm. And my parents always raised me to understand. I had a sister. I have a sister who's six years older, but they told me you are a first son, and you mm-hmm. need to go out there and understand that your role within this family, will it's a multi generational aspect. And my dad didn't even understand the biblical context of what he was saying. But as I got into the scripture here, I had the head knowledge, and then I got to Dr. Hutchinson. I started to understand the application piece and studying the word a little deeper. And I'm like, wow, my dad had a. He had something cool. He didn't even know what he was really digging into. Yeah, yeah. And, but grace, but he yeah. sent me to this country as a 19-year-old to say, we lost everything in the Civil War. We left our homes with, wow. with AK-47s at our backs. Leave or we'll shoot and kill you. And so they worked for 30 years in a foreign land and had nothing to show for it. So he turns to his 19-year-old son. Okay, son, you're going to America, right? Well, look at where you left us. you got to restore this. you got to get this wow. family back on its feet. He literally handed me in the family of that night before I got on the plane. Wow. And so my mandate was to come and restore my family from a war and all the systemic issues. Yeah. And look, I'm so happy what God can do. The year the locust stole, he replaced that and more in my life right now. And all my family, I brought them all out of Africa, ultimately. When, Even when my parents that? came here. Um, my parents were here as early, as late as 2010. Wow. And they decided they want to go back, so they live in Cameroon right now. But all of my siblings, I have a sibling in New, in New York, I have a sibling here in uh uh, Washington with me, another wow. one in in, in, in uh, Idaho, and wow. that's my story. You know, that's so, who I am. So I'm I'm seeing the pieces now. So, that's the protecting the family and am. prioritizing the family, that's that's very personal. And I didn't see it. You know, a lot of my this thing. A lot of my teammates who were brothers and what have you that I played ball with said, "Man, that's so unfair that your dad would put that on your shoulder." Well, that's not right. It's like, mm. what are you talking about? It's an honor. Whoa, it's and an duty. Honor. It's a duty. We, we don't talk enough about duty you know? anymore in the church. So, so, yeah. so that, that's what, you know, the book, The Firstborn Son, is talking about that, that, you know, context of what I walked through through civil war and everything yeah. else. But he's looking at it in God's, through God's lenses yeah. of what he wants and what it means for our culture here to yeah. restore the firstborn son of God. He's in the scripture, not the literal firstborn sons, but they're very symbolic firstborn sons as well. Yeah. God calls Israel my firstborn. Yeah. God calls David a firstborn, and we know he wasn't a firstborn, but he's the firstborn of the kings of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. So the context of saying, yeah, 
instead of seeing it as, as a victim, watch me. Mm. Let me grab this here and say, God, you gave me some adversity, but you take adversity a lot of times and you turn them into beauty. So That's right. That's beautiful. So tell us about Antioch Adoptions. It's obviously providential yeah. that you're involved in contending for the family yeah. um, because God called you to that early on yeah. and you fulfilled your duty. Yeah. But the secular progressive moral revolution, Zeke understands that the family is the building block of society. Mm-hmm. In, a, in an interesting way, actually, brother, mm-hmm. they actually understand the importance of the family more than most Christians. Mm-hmm. And isn't, that'll preach. Sure. I mean, isn't that scary? Because they have quadrupled down, unlike we've, anything we've ever seen before, particularly in the last four or five years, but you could argue since the sexual revolution, mm-hmm. to target and destroy the family. They're more committed to destroying the family, Zeke, than most pastors and Christians are to protecting and preserving the family. Isn't that crazy? And so the the, the takeaway I have from that, brother, is, oh, then the Marxist revolutionaries understand the importance and significance of the family more than most Christians. And so, but you are not one of those Christians, and you are a shepherd who knows that sometimes you have to whack wolves on the head with a staff and no Reuters and you stupid idiots, I'm not calling for political violence. It's a metaphor. Yeah. But but <laughs> ironically or not ironically, Zeke, the left literally does resort to physical violence against the family. Lopping off the genitalia of children. Newsom just signed a bill saying preventing parental consent mm. uh, to basically indoctrinate kids into the religion of transgenderism in public schools if they are experiencing gender dysphoria, which they probably only are doing so because of their degenerate public school teacher. Um, and the, the attacks against the family couldn't be more blatant. Abortion yeah. is the greatest example of an attack yeah. against the family. It murders a family member yeah. and calls it health care. Um, so with all of this in mind and with the crackdown here in Washington on the mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. right, and on saying you better place uh, – kids with with gay couples right because that's marriage too right um where does antioch enter into this adoption and also brother what makes antioch more unique <laughs> i have not had someone on that leads an adoption or foster care or family organization before um but you're more unique and i was yeah. fascinated by it and so i want you to share your heart yeah i'll take a moment and give you again our founder dr ken hutcherson let me just give you the story how he even founded the organization and why we operate the way we do so late 90s, mid 90s, um, a couple of staff members on the church, Antioch Bible Church, was Dr. Hutchison's church. He's founded, now is run by our pastor, Herb Hartsell. Okay. But Dr. Hutchison had a couple of staff members asking, we want to adopt, but it's so difficult. Did you know how hard it is? Not only is it hard to go through all the paperwork and everything that's going on with that, but the, diffi- the even more difficult was the discrepancy in the cost of adoption. And Seth, I'm not yeah. sure if you know this, but if you want to adopt an African-American boy, you can do it for around eight to $10,000. If you want to adopt a blonde hair, blue eyed Caucasian girl, it will cost as high, don't be surprised, to pay as high as sixty to $70,000. Mm-hmm. And then there's a skill Whoa. in between African-American boys, African-American girl, Hispanics, Asian, uh, there's a skill literally to this day. But that was even worse, it was more back then that Dr. Hutchinson her as he studied the adoption world and the foster care world and said, wow, wow this is what's going on. So he comes to a sermon, a sermon on uh, one summer morning, June or July, and preaches on the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. Before he had asked the church to give him $20,000 cash, but he takes a $10 bill and gives to each adult in the congregation, gives a $5 bill to each teenager to handle, handle and said, go and invest this and we'll take this money up in six months. So that morning, $16,000 went out to the congregation. 
16 grand? 16 grand went out of the congregation, came back in six months. $284,000. So God had multiplied that money. $284,000? $284,000 out of $16,000. Over a quarter million. And kids are saying, kids are selling pencils at schools. They're doing everything. People are making cookbooks, all kinds of incredible ideas from the church and wow, others, right? That's such a cool story. And then he says, we're going to start an adoption agency. Yep. We're never going to charge a penny for any adoption we do. We're never going to take a penny from the state or federal government because we don't want their hands in our business. We wanted this to be God's work done God's way. And so from that day, we said we're going to focus on doing adoption, private and foster to adopt. We're never going to charge a penny. We haven't. It's been a, it's a small organization. We're trying to now expand around the country a little bit. But over 600 finalized adoptions. Never once took a penny from any adoptive family. Never once took a penny from the state of Washington or any federal government. And God's provided more than, in, you know, he's provided over all these here for 22 years now. Wow. That's a model that we would like to see across the country. When he said, we can raise millions of dollars to save a will, but we can't do that to save the lives of young people in care or in difficulty, yeah. in crisis. So that's our model. And that's been a, a very successful one. But wow. that, that idea of just saying, you know what? This is God's way. He says, he gives a command, take care of the orphans and the widows. With yeah. every foster care and adoption agency wants to talk about that verse. Yeah. However, is the church really involved or is the government is it the government's job yeah. to take care of the yeah. orphans and the widows? Because that's uh, what no, we just Zeke, I'm I'm a compassionate, loving Christian. <sighs> that's why I vote for Democrats today. Because I was I read in the scripture, Zeke, that you're supposed to love your neighbor and care for the orphan and the widow. And so I, I vote for Democrats because they're the party of the little guy and they do big social safety nets and government handouts. And, and that's fulfilling uh, loving neighbor, Zeke. So, you know. Well, <laughs> uh, let me burn that bridge as an African for you. Oh, okay. Because, um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm trying to make sure I'm now on my soapbox here. So, yeah, I right? love it. I'm not, but I, I, I respect, I was just talking with a couple of brothers on the, uh, here at the, at the event. And, you know, um, some of the greatest resiliency in this country sits within the African-American culture. Mm. But somehow we, they have been relegated to thinking that that's not, they're not empowered to do more than they can do. And I think sometimes I was very coming up with in this country, especially as an immigrant mm -hmm. here legally, but an immigrant working with some of my peers on the basketball court and everything at sometimes that were, like I said, pretty upset that I would take a different mentality mm. as opposed to saying, you know, and I came, remember again, I came to this country with nothing. Mm. And I'm not saying I'm some super high millionaire or nothing, but at the end of the day, I live a pretty comfortable life. I've got some incredible kids, an incredible family, a home here, a home in Arizona. I got, but I came with nothing. Yeah. So the resilience, and in part of my book, I write a couple, of, a chapter there about one, a young man that I mentor along the way. And God has given a chance to mentor an incredible number of young men who came to some pretty ugly situations in their families. Uh, and one who knew where his dad lived in New Jersey would, him and his boys, when they were six, five, seven, eight, ten year old, would be saying, "Yeah, hey, I, I know my dad. You don't know your dad. I know my dad. I can show my dad." And he will walk to work, walk to where his dad, and his dad, leaving the, the house, going to work. That's my dad, brother. But he couldn't talk to his dad because his dad didn't want anything to do with him. Mm. And that's how he grew up. And someday he runs to me when I find out he just has, wow. you know, a, 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 a child on the way out of wedlock, and he's trying to figure out what do I do. I, I haven't had a dad to help me figure this thing out. So. 
God wow. does his be best work in some of our worst adversities. Yeah. And even as much as I don't condone anything that happened with slavery in this country, because at the end of the day, Liberia has a story where free slaves went back and pretty much imposed upon indigenous people there the slavery that they experience here. So to some extent for me, it's a sin issue more than it is a race issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, don't belittle the aspect of what happened here. I never will because I respect the African-American culture in this country. But I'm saying the resilience that's out of the African-American culture is so overlooked and understated. Mm -hmm. That's what can be done with all of this stuff if, they meant, if the voice was, the narrative was changed just a little bit to talk about the power of the African-American culture, yeah. then rely on the slavery aspect, we could see some incredible things. And sadly, some political figures play on that a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. As and uh, Hutch used to say, what did he say? Uh, I better be careful here. But he talked about the, 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 the pimps in African-American culture, political pimps, yeah. that were riding that and not really taking an opportunity wow. to help people out of the, the, the difficulties, right? Yep. So I'm very, I'm being, again, I want to make sure I'm being very respectful. I'm not trying to downgrade anything or downplay anything. But the opportunity there yep. is so powerful that we've, we've missed an opportunity. Huge. The yeah. opportunity is still there and we, we're missing the, the, yeah. the, the, the mark. Yeah. Hey, Zeke, as we wind down, yeah. um, share your heart and vision for this idea of sort of a pro-life ecosystem. Yes. What is God doing through partnerships? Yeah in family first, life first, children first ministries in Washington. Give us a little preview of that um, and kind of what people can learn from yeah. that. Yeah, man, uh, thank you so much to you and Love Life for giving us a chance to be a part of this movement and what's going on. But when Beth and I came down and watched the Love Life Conference California, you know, we, yeah, where it's, is this going to work? But then I looked at Beth and I said, Beth, do you realize what you have in Washington, what you've created through Abundant Life is so powerful. And we saw as we walked the, uh, the, uh, the pregnancy centers were there, but nobody else was part of that uh, like display booth hmm. outside of the conference. Great environment in Chino Hills. We loved it like crazy. But we knew that there was something here that Abundant Life has created and asked us and Jacobs to be a part of it that gives us to say, this is the best response the church has ever had to a Roe v. Wade argument to say, look, rather than worry about, again, I will say over and over again, there's a place for protesting, sidewalk counseling and ministry and all that stuff. Yeah. But this network created here by Christ-centered, Christ-affirming, nobody is apologizing for who we are in our faith, and saying we are providing solutions of every kind that yeah. a mom or family in crisis will ever need. Yeah. Sure, there may be more, and if there's more, and they're crisis, let us know because we want to bring them here. Yeah. But it's an ecosystem that's been created mm -hmm. that really gives us an opportunity to say, Roe v. Wade, yes, we can talk about pro-choice and pro-life, but, but the question is, where are the solutions? Yeah. Are they Christ-centered? And if they're Christ-centered, then guess what? I'll, we don't, we're not worried about our egos yeah, yeah. and our logos. We're worried about saying, look, how do we bring solutions to the table that the church can say, we're not just arguing that, look, God says this, but yes, God's, yes, his blueprint, yes, his playbook right here. So I'm so excited that people will understand the plethora of resources yeah, yeah. that comes through this ecosystem, of that this pro-life ecosystem of what Abundant Life has created with the help of, obviously not the help, but the inclusion of the antioch adoption and say, Amazing. let's create this in every city in this country. Yeah. Amen. Because if we do that, then listen, young moms are not running to Planned Parenthood. They're running to the church because Amen. you know what? 
my mom won't help me. My mom and dad won't help me with this baby. I just found out I'm pregnant. Again, are we condoning the sex out of you know wedlock and all those things and the sin that has right, happened? Right. No, we're not. Yeah. But when they're in crisis and mom and dad doesn't want to help or what have you, then we're saying, here, yes to church. Uh, what do you need? Diapers. Yeah. What do you need? Uh, you, your car won't start because you you, you didn't get an oil change light. Oh, uh, oh, you need therapy. <laughs> oh, oh, you need medical treatment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you need. Oh, you can't afford to carry this baby, but oh, we got adoption. Yeah. We'll yeah. find you an incredible family, that, and we will give you a chance to restore your life, not just your baby's life. We'll give you a chance to restore you and your baby's life. So yeah. you will remain a part of it because that baby is going to ask when she's 18, 19, 20, she's going to ask, who's my mom? Mm. Who's my mom? I want to know. And we tell our adoptive families, this is an open adoption. Yeah, yeah. We're protected because we're not going to have a, 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 an unhealthy situation in terms of birth, mom, be yeah. a risk to your baby and your and your family. Sure. We'll protect that. But if there's any chance that we can give her an incentive to be a part of a baby's life yeah. for the rest of a baby's life, let's do that because Amen. that's that hole will not be filled by you as an adoptive parent. That's right. You can do everything you want. So it is so rich. It is so healthy. It is so powerful. It is quite sustainable if we get it under the, 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 uh, the banner of the church and God's yes. hands in it, yes. right? It is so sustainable. Yeah. And I believe we really want to answer Roe v. Wade. Here it is, church. Use this as yeah. your tool. Yeah, amen. Uh, and so, well, because Zeke, ministries like yours have basically been filling in the gap left open by the church. These kind of ministries of mercy, like we do and that you do, brother, yeah. as, as amazing as they are, I would actually prefer them not to exist. You want to know why? The church should be doing that job in their local communities. Oh, but so we're trying to wake up the church to get them back yeah, on to that field of right. battle to contend that's in the right. public square for families and children. So, brother, thanks for what you're yeah. doing. Thanks for uniting this. Hey, where can people connect with Antioch Adoptions to learn about kind of your approach and model yes. that you hear? And also, where can people find your book and learn more about Zeke Bambola? Yes. So AntiochAdoptions.com. Org, okay. Antioch, A-N-T-I-O-C-H, right? AntiochAdoptions.org is the website. Uh, you can also email at foreverfamily at AntiochAdoptions.org. Okay. The book, uh, I would say, it's, it's, you might still find some print copies on um, Amazon. Okay. Uh, what I've done is taken the book because I want to rewrite the book and add a workbook to it, which I, awesome. I'm in the process of doing. And so we will be republishing. But if you want to find the brain dump copy <laughs> it's not you know you got to go back and something when you as you learn more of these things you go back and you fine yeah, tune yeah. your material yeah, yeah. and so uh, we did some field testing by working with at-risk youth in the urban core and teaching them the multi-generational aspect of this firstborn son concept and wow. the multi-generational family legacy and we after we did some field testing we realized you know there's some things we can add here wow. especially to, as it pertains to the, the american culture as well not just the african yes. culture yes. how do we you know tie them together so yeah. that's where we've been Pretty close to being republished. At the end of the day, you can find the initial dump, brain dump anywhere on Amazon, and you'll you awesome. know on that you probably find some. Yeah, yeah, copies. yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Thanks. thank you, Zeke. Um, guys, check out AntiochAdoptions.org. Um, we didn't even get into the attacks <laughs> against these kind of ministries that protect children and Real. do adoptions because they're pushing yes. to ruin the 501c3 status yes. um, and effectiveness of these ministries if they believe in what every society for all of human history has viewed marriage to be. So culture wars heating up. What are you going to do about it? Check out AntiochAdoptions.org. Just, just to on this. They haven't held our license for a whole year. They don't want us to operate. So See, it's real. It is. Yep, it's heating up. Thank you, brother. Keep up the good work.
<laughs> Thank you guys for joining the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. You can see my speaking schedule or book me for an event at sethgruber.com. And if you want to become an ally of the White Rose Resistance, go to thewhiterose.life, www.thewhiterose.life. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. We'll be right back.